Opening nights here, baby. Oh my gosh. Another yes. round of applause. Football. Another Football. round of applause. Woo! Welcome in, everybody. Mm. This is the Southside Beat. Great day. I'm Corey Chris, and he's Chris Halleck. Today is Thursday, September mm. 7, 2023. Better affectionately known as opening night. In the it's, National it's just, Football League. We it, made it, folks. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. I know the Steelers don't play today, but it is a beautiful day. Uh, I said it on on in our Steelers feed on DKPittsburghSports.com today. It's just it's one of my favorite days of the year. Uh, the weather, I know it doesn't feel like it right now. I, I think uh, Pittsburgh weather today better, I think. Um, but I think, o- yeah, I think overall it, it just – a day like this, even if the weather is not actually cooling off just yet, it signals a cooling off. Signals, yes, summer's over. Summer's a great time, but fall brings a lot of excitement. If you're also a hockey fan, hockey's right around the corner too. October, you have Halloween, then eventually Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's just today is like the beginning of that. It's like the beginning of just one event after another of just just it's just the best time of the year. I, I love it. I love it so much. And hopefully some of that cooler weather can eradicate the lantern flies oh. that are just running. <laughs> the lantern it flies. Is, it's disgusting <laughs> out here today with the I flies. I forgot about those things. And today it rained this morning pretty hard when I got here. So it's been oh, yeah. kind of a damp day, a muggy day, kind of a gross day. Uh, but the Steelers did practice outside. I am inside of uh, the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex, the indoor practice facility, warehouse, mm-hmm. what have you. Um, the lights are off, the lighting's poor, the auto quality stinks, but the show goes on 3 p.m. Eastern time every Monday yep. through Friday right here on DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube. We proceed the Ramon Foster show 4 p.m. Ramon and DK Monday through Friday talking Steeler football. And yep. listen, today what we're going to do is dive into an outlook for the Steelers in 2023. You see the title, Forecasting the Steelers Season. Yep. Where did the Steelers fit into the AFC? Where do they fit in the AFC North? How yep. likely is it that they make the playoffs? How did they improve from last season? A lot of layers to unpack, Chris, because yeah. just looking at the AFC in a general it's scope. It's so loaded, man. Oh, my god, It's loaded. It's deep. And you and I were talking pre-show. Yeah. Ten wins might not get you into the postseason. No, in fact, it, it probably doesn't. won't get you into the postseason. 11 wins might be the cutoff to get into the postseason in this really deep AFC. Yeah, so if you haven't seen my predictions on in the Steelers feed yet on DKPittsburghSports.com, and you don't have to be a member, and I urge you to subscribe, but you don't have to be a member to see them, by all means, go there, click on our Steelers feed. Both Corey and mine, uh, our, our predictions are in there. Um, whenever I did my predictions, I did a full-blown guest every single game in the NFL and let the record speak for themselves. I didn't sit here and go, oh, yeah, I think the Bengals are going to win 12 games or are just going to pull those numbers out. I mean, literally thought like, okay, well maybe this, you know, there's an upset here an upset there. Okay. There's no way the bills are losing this game, whatever it is. And going through nine teams in the AFC won 10 games, mm-hmm. nine teams. Now I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I did say, and I think I will guarantee this, that there will be at least one 10 win team in the AFC that does not make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's just this, conference is too loaded there are too many good quarterbacks there are too many good rosters um the Bengals if they're in the NFC are probably a two seed maybe even a one seed not saying that they're better than the 49ers but they could be better than the 49ers they could be better than the Eagles 
they might not even be the one or two seed in the AFC because the Chiefs and the Bills are so good. Yeah. Um, the Jaguars are good enough to be way better than they are if they're a four seed. You, know, you just go through the AFC. It's just like, man, like maybe the weakest conference is the AFC South. But it's like other than that, like the other three divisions are just and then in the same prediction, all four AFC North teams finishing above 500. It's which just is, it's a it's a loaded conference, which is not just more within the realm of possibility. That being no. the AFC North, there is discourse, legitimate discourse about the AFC North. You could word any of the four teams in the first position, any of the four teams in the second position. Any of any of the four teams in the third position and any of the four teams in the fourth position, you can make a legitimate case that any of these four teams, Cincinnati being the least likely to finish below second, obviously. Yeah. But there is some discussion to be had about the AFC North and how deep and how strong it is and how the Steelers just looking at them can finish anywhere from first to fourth. And that's just the reality of the situation. Not because, you know, someone doesn't believe in them or anything. It's because the facts of the matter is, what if the what if this is the year the Browns finally figure it out and turn it around and Deshaun Watson can, you know, be anything close to the 2020 version? What if yeah. this is the year that Joe Burrow and, and Co. really keep it going? What if this is the year the Ravens keep it going? What if this is the year that Kenny Pickett is the breakout player of the year and has that year two leap that we all think he does? And yeah. the Steelers win 13 or 14 games. There are legitimate reasons, legitimate reasons to look at all four of these teams, the AFC North, no matter how badly someone might not want to hear about it, and say, (laughs) these guys could finish anywhere in that division. It is such a wide-ranging pecking order, I think, and it's a very, very, very deep division. Yeah, and so here's here's the thing when it comes to the rest of the AFC, because, yes, the North is – it's already going to be difficult to – compete just in the division. Obviously the Bengals are really, really good, but then the Ravens pose a threat. Uh, I understand that. Yes, they have some question marks for sure. The Browns have some question marks. Are they going to be able to stop the run this year? If they don't, good luck. If Deshaun Watson is, if the best we've, we've ever seen Deshaun Watson be is in the past, that's going to, it's going to be tough. You have to be able to have productivity and consistency from your quarterback in order to compete in the AFC. You just have to. But then you look through the rest of the of the of the conference. It's like the Chargers are really good. They might not get in if they only win ten games. The Broncos are going to be a, a team to bounce back with uh, under Sean Payton. Now the Jets. I had somebody clap back at me because I had the Jets in the playoffs. It's like, listen, the Jets have a really good roster, like mm-hmm. a really good roster. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be the Aaron Rodgers in his prime in order to get that team to the playoffs. He has to be maybe 70% of what he was in his prime, just be good enough. Let Brees Hall and Dalvin cook do the work on the ground. You have plenty. He has plenty of targets to throw to their defense is good. Like it's a legitimate roster. I'm not saying they're going to compete with the bills and take over the, the AFC East, you know, and, and win that division, but they're definitely good enough to make the playoffs. And it would be a slam dunk if they're in the NFC, but it's just because it's the AFC that, if you finish, if you lose the wrong game here or the wrong game there, and actually there were two games that I wanted to bring up on the Steelers' schedule, and one of them is this Sunday, mm-hmm. because I have spoiler alert, I have the Steelers winning on Sunday, but I also have them losing to the Jaguars at home later, mm-hmm. and it's just what if those two games are reversed? You know, 
obviously beating the Jaguars is a lot better. If you were to pick, you know, you can only win one of those two games. You want to beat the Jaguars because that helps with their conference record. And so, but if you win against the 49ers and lose against the Jaguars, but then you lose another critical game down the road in the conference. And all of a sudden I think I had like with what I predicted, the Steelers record was going to be seven and five in the conference. The difference between seven and five and six and six could be all the difference in terms mm-hmm. of making the playoffs or not. Before we get to Swan's point about Larry Ogunjobi and his uh, potential oh, yeah. prospects talk about that for, sure. for this weekend, I put the Steelers at 10 and seven, and I fully will acknowledge that that is lowballing. That is lowballing what they could be this year, which is more realistically, more likely, an yeah. 11 to 12 win team. And the reason why I put those lowball projections in is because of how deep the AFC is mm-hmm. and how much, I mean, really. Every week that the Steelers play in the AFC is no gimme. No, there are very none. few of them. There are yeah. very few of them. Texans, Raiders, you know, th- those are kind of your a couple. Those are your yeah. gimmies. But even then, the yeah. Raiders, like, in almost every year, the Steelers seem to go on the road and lose a game they should. They're win. not playing in Oakland, though. They're not playing at the Coliseum. Sure. <laughs> if they're sure. playing at the Coliseum, I'd say, okay, yeah, they lose that game just because. I don't like going off of intangibles and stuff like that, but it just, that was just one place they could never win, Mm -hmm. but they're not playing there anymore. This is a brand new stadium. It's a brand new city. I don't know. Maybe air conditioned. Might as well be a whole new team. I don't know, but they're, yeah, they're, they're definitely not. They're definitely not. I don't know, man. I I have a hard time seeing them lose to the Raiders. Happy to see Corey's headphones are back. (laughs) I know. I I brought back the real cans this time. I don't have the earbuds in. Um, (laughs) Let's go to Swan's question, which is a really good one. Who takes yep. Larry Ogunjobi's snaps if he's limited with his foot injury? So Larry Ogunjobi was limited in Wednesday's practice. This is from yep. the official team practice report. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Hayward was limited, but that was vet rest. He'll, you know, obviously be good to go. But Larry Ogunjobi has had this foot issue really for a long time. And yep. even through training camp and, you know, at this stage, we know that he was limited on Wednesday. A Thursday injury report has yet to come out. And today, coordinator Thursday – uh, when Terrell Austin and uh, Matt Canada speak through that throughout the week, uh, Terrell Austin talked about, you know, who could take those snaps for Larry Ogunjobi. And as of right now, it sounds like it's Marvin Leal. Yeah. Okay. That's it. I mean, honestly, uh, like it could, it, you could have said just about anybody and it would have made sense to me. You could have said to Marvin Leal, you could have said Keanu Benton, you could have said Isaiah Loudermilk, mm-hmm. you could have said any of those guys and it would have made sense. Um, but DeMarvin Leal, I think the, the one thing that he kind of shows, um, above everybody, even though I think Keanu Benton can eventually take this over, but it's his versatility. It's his ability to play like a three technique or his ability to line up on the edge. And obviously I think he's better in that three technique position, but like, yes, I think Keanu Benton could eventually get to that point where he then like surpasses Leal, but Leal really like flashed a lot of good stuff last year. Uh, I really, really liked what I saw from him. It was obviously inconsistent. Um, didn't get a lot of consistent playing time in one spot. And I'd like to see more of that when, when obviously when opportunities arise, obviously you'd like to see Cam Hayward and Larry O playing the vast majority of the snaps, but it's an NFL season. That's just not going to happen. Um, I just want to see him take advantage of snaps a little bit more often and really, really, you know, show a little bit more, a little bit more consistently, consistently. And obviously he was a rookie last year. There's always a learning curve. He also had a knee injury last year. He had to work around. So he's coming in, he's healthy. And I really liked what I saw from him last year, really athletic, but also really strong too. 
it will help that DeMar- DeMarvin Leal gets to play in one position this year. Yes. Last year, he did too much yep. going back from nose mm-hmm. tackle to right end to left end to outside linebacker. He played just about every position he could have asked to be played in his rookie season. This year, he gets to solidify as a defensive end. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to do all the work as a nose tackle, which brings me to a point here from Bob. Do you think Lario's foot is what kept Braden Fajoko on the practice squad? I don't think it's entirely that, but I think there is some credence to take from having a defensive end injured just in case that whole thing needs to come up. You could put Keanu Benton at defensive end, and you could keep Braden Fajoko at defensive tackle, at nose tackle. So that's definitely an option, um, you know, just to have as a Braden Fajoko. We've talked about Fajoko as, you know, his status on the practice squad. So to run stuffer, someone that you can call up in games against the Browns, the Bengals, and the Ravens yeah. if you need them to just yeah. to stop the run. That's what he's known to do. So there's a really good benefit to having Braden Fajoko on the practice squad. Now, Yeah. if Larry Ogunjobi can't go on Sunday, then I'd be interested to see who gets elevated and then who starts taking those snaps at end for Larry O. But my money would be on DeMarvin Leal to do that. I just want to say for anybody, uh, if Corey is breaking up for you at all, it's the, the internet on the South side is not the greatest. <laughs> uh, I can say that from experience. It's not the greatest. And so if, if Corey cuts out at all, uh, don't worry, we'll, we'll handle the it. The locker but... room was still open when I got on air. So we cut practice <laughs> late today. We cut practice close today, but Hey, the show still goes on 3 PM. Yeah. I find my way <laughs> to get in front of this camera at three o'clock and this microphone, whether it's the official setup from home or not. Um, a good question here from Juan. Is Ben capable of playing as a defensive tackle when the Steelers are in nickel and dime packages? So it depends on, I guess, the opponent. That's like the best answer I could give through it because I would say that having Keanu Benton's speed and his pass rush ability in those nickel and dime sets would be more of a benefit than playing, you know, with that run stopping, you know, mindset like a Brain Fajoko does. What's your take on that? Uh, I mean, I've always thought like I think the one thing that like when it when I saw Benton play at the Senior Bowl, I the one thing I really really thought was versatility. Like like honestly, it was just it was I could really see him lining up in the zero, see him lining up anywhere between a zero and a three. Like really, like he's just everybody wanted to kind of like put him as like oh he's just a, he's a nose tackle, he's a nose tackle. But no, like this dude can absolutely do do multiple things. I really like the idea of Benton. And I think honestly, like they took Benton with the idea that he could do more than just be like this guy in the middle. He absolutely mm-hmm. can line up and take reps um, at like a defensive tackle position at like a, you know, between a two and a three technique, like just what, you know, in that spot, just because he could line up right over a guard. He could even line up between a guard and a tackle and still be athletic enough. He's still good enough with his hands uh, to, to, and he's quick enough off the line. I think that's another thing. He's quick enough off the line to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I really think Benton is really, really, really versatile. And I think that was one thing. Maybe not as versatile coming out of the draft as like maybe Brian Brzee, but I still thought Keanu Benton was a really, really versatile guy that they could get. And it wasn't just like this guy that's going to be a nose tackle going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Casey Hampton. Bob, <laughs> no, no. Bob, appreciate your Please leave a like on this episode. Please share this episode. Yes. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. It goes a very long way. And we see all the love that you guys show in the comments, man. We, we appreciate it so much. You guys are awesome, like for real. I love this one for plot. I'll make more sense in low resolution. 
listen, when I'm freshly off the practice field, when I'm freshly out of the locker room, that's when, you know, the brain gets going. That's when, oh, yeah. you know, the, the mind starts flowing. So yeah, I appreciate that. Question from Smitty. Mike Fajoko will be promoted this week. The only instance I can see that happening is if uh, Larry Ogunjobi can't play. That's the only instance I could potentially see that happening. Yeah. I don't, even then, I don't think it's a guarantee. You know, I, I mean, not saying that he can't. Um, but again, you have essentially three guys who can step in if Larry O is ruled out so that can play at that spot. You know, DeMarvin Leal can play there. Loudermill can play there. And as we talked about, Keon and Benton is versatile enough to play there as well. So I don't think it's like a you have to have another body there. I mean, you can, and it sh- definitely wouldn't hurt. But against a, a defense like the 49ers, I, I wouldn't stress as much about uh, interior linemen as I would about possibly make maybe some stuff on the edge or in the middle of the in the middle of the defense or even in the secondary, uh, just because you have so much ground to cover on, against an offense like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to shift to our next topic because Chris, today was the first coordinator Thursday as it goes here yes. on the South Side, mm-hmm. where Matt Canada and Terrell Austin took to the podium. Always and a great day. Talked about their <laughs> units. Talked about their units and. Yeah. The thing that I took away from, let's start with the offense and Matt Canada. And the thing that I took away as the most imperative from Matt Canada was that, yes, you couldn't have put together a better preseason for the offense. When Kenny Pickett leads leads five touchdown drives and five chances, and he's spreading the ball around, which, by the way, coming up later to DKPittsburghSports.com about spreading the football around. Um, Yeah. And now they get to turn around and face the number one defense from last year in the NFL. So, obviously, the key against the San Francisco 49ers, from the offensive standpoint, is finding ways to break through that number one defense. Hmm. But the way that Matt Canada, I, I think, is approaching this season, it feels almost a little more refreshing to hear that from when we left off with Canada at the end of last year. And what I mean hmm. by that is, I think he's seeing and feeling the growth from Kenny and he's seeing and feeling the growth from the offensive line. And a massive credit goes back to Omar Khan for you add Isaac Siamalu, you add Broderick Jones, you bring some competition, some heat to that room. And then you go get a Darnell Washington to help. I think it's fascinating that that Matt Canada feels almost more rejuvenated going into this year. Um, Chris, what would your takeaway from anything he had to say? And, What's your overall thoughts on the Steelers' outlook? And we'll talk more about this in depth tomorrow going yeah. against the 49ers. Uh, obviously, um, the way that they match up against the 49ers, it's, they're, they're going to have to find ways to get the ball out quick. And that's not going to be easy to do because, obviously, you know, Bosa is going to be there. You know, we know that now he signed the, the record contract yesterday. Um, what, even if he's playing on a pitch count, I mean – he's still going to be there. And the, and the, the plays that he's on the field, they have to account for him. Uh, plus J, uh, Javon Hargrave is there. I mean, they, they have, they have the ability to get to the quarterback. Yep. So you have to get the ball out quick, or you have to be able to make plays on, on the run and on the move. And that's the one thing that I think Kenny can be really good at and maybe extend some plays, but the second and third levels of their, de- of the 49ers defense is no joke. But I think the one thing that they're going to have to try to find a way to do is, Find find ways to create, and this is where I think Matt Canada's playbook is really going to get challenged, is find ways to create space for guys on quick throws. 
mm-hmm. whether that's drags, whether that's slants, how you know, whether that's hitches whenever the cornerbacks uh, are playing off the line, whatever it is, get the ball out quick, move the ball down the field. Give you get, give yourself second and four. Give yourself third and three instead of third and eight. You know, give yourself more manageable downs. Uh, even, even if you have to nickel and dime your way down the field, it's better than having to try to heave the ball downfield and and have to wait for that time when a guy like Hargrave or Bosa is going to be running at, at, at Kenny. Um, that being said, also find ways to get Kenny on the move. Make that 49ers defense move. Make them try to track guys like Deontay, like, like Pickens, like mm-hmm. Fryermuth in the middle of the field. Can't do that all the time because you're running a huge right. risk of getting your quarterback injured. but maybe sprinkle that in quite a bit, obviously try to establish the run because then that opens up play action, which that opens up the entire uh, playbook as well, because the defense then has to respect the play action. Um, But I I would say maybe the X factor there, if I have to put that kind of a term on it is make sure you can make the big plays when you can by getting Kenny on the move, because you can't do it all the time. So take advantage of it whenever you do. Uh, this might be comment of the week. Uh, Matt Canada is safe this week because everybody is uh, hating on Andy Haynes and Derek Belton. Chris and I are not be held responsible for what the baseball franchise does. However, I can understand and I can I can sympathize and empathize with what you're feeling about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, and, I, and also, I think there's I a little bit of recency bias in there too because you know the Pirates are you know, about to have another losing season. And yet the Steelers are, well, first off, it's been however long since the Steelers have played an actual football game that actually like went, you know, in the win loss column. And they're also had a really good preseason. So there's a little bit of recency bias there. If the Steelers go out there and score three points and look like absolute crap doing it, I think the pitchforks are going to be right back from that Canada, regardless of sure. who they're playing. And again, the 49ers defense, not easy to break through. So no, this is it's not. It's really not. the toughest test the Steelers could have going into the all season. season. Like, like, like for real, like all season. I love this for Panzer Trick Pete. Last season, Kenny started out with limited snaps, had to turn to the pace of the NFL. So Canada's playbook was reflective of that. This year with decent reps, full off season, we'll see more pages. I'm with you on that. And I'm also with you from the standpoint of how Kenny's going to have freedom in the line of scrimmage this year. And it's not going to be training wheel situation you know, to start with. Um, I think there's a lot more confidence in Kenny just him being named the starting quarterback. He was named a captain for a reason, elected a captain, I should say, Mm -hmm. for a reason. And Matt Canada is going to let Kenny Pickett dictate this offense. He's going to obviously call the offense, Canada is, but he's going to let Kenny Pickett make make some changes and make some calls and make some hot reads. And again, the freedom to, you know, distribute the ball around. I'm just I'm just very curious to see how that all transpires week one um, yeah. against this kind of a team. Devon Brown asks, guys think Bosa will require double team even if we think he's out of shape. Yes. I don't think Nick Bosa's out of shape to begin <laughs> with. He wasn't training with the team, but that doesn't mean he was you know not training yeah. at all. I will say this. He's going to line up against Dan Moore more often than not. This also brings in Darnell Washington into the equation. Mm-hmm. This is a massive assignment for Darnell Washington as much as it is Dan Moore. Washington helping with those double teams, taking some of the pressure off of Isaac Sayamalo, and really maybe not necessarily following Bosa around per se. I'm talking about Washington. But, you know, and and Brown and and DeMond, you know, you talk about game shape. 
yes, game shape is another thing. He didn't play in the preseason. That's a whole other beast, and I understand that. But his talent level is just so out of this world good. Top two or three defender in the NFL. He won the Defensive Player of the Year for a season. So, yeah, you know, how effective is Nick Bosa going to be? Obviously, we don't know, but there's standing reason to believe he's going to be pretty darn good just based on talent. Yeah, you you have to assume that when Nick Bosa is in a stadium, that he's just he's going to be Nick Bosa. Now, remember, we we saw this with with TJ a couple of years ago when he. Now, I understand he wasn't a holdout; he was with the team, but he was a hold in. You know, he, yes, he did some things, but he didn't do like a lot of team related stuff. And, and you know, there was a there were a lot of questions on how TJ was going to look at the beginning of the season because that contract didn't get done until the, until the eleventh hour. And so there were questions on like how effective is TJ going to be in those first few games. And then that very first game, he made Josh Allen. I can't, I can't say the word on here. I don't think it's, it's an expletive. I can't, I can't say it. He made Josh Allen. um, I'll just, I'll leave it there. He made Josh (laughs) Allen look really, really bad. Uh, And and that, and that's, and that's, that's like, because it's TJ Watt, like that's who he is. And you would expect Nick Bosa to show up on Sunday and be a game record to be a game changer. Like that's just the Steelers, the Steelers would be fools to not to, to think, Oh, well maybe he won't be as effective. Maybe we don't have to double team him as often. Maybe we don't have to No, you have to account for that. And if he doesn't, if, if he gets on the field and he looks gassed after two snaps and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well maybe he's like 90% of, of, of regular Nick Bosa. Great. Yeah. Use that to your advantage, but don't go into the game thinking like, Oh wow. Yeah. Nick Bosa is going to be, he's going to be less than what he normally is. No, they need to account for him being Nick Bosa. Uh, a few quick hits before we get out of here on Thursday, Robert asked Corey, have you ever announced a game? Yes, I have. Uh, one of my previous jobs was play-by-play announcer. I've called minor league baseball. Uh, I used to be the play-by-play voice of the Mahoning Valley Scrappers, a, a single-A team in the New York Penn League. Now it's in the MLB Draft League. So, yes, I have play-by-play background. No, I will not do my best play-by-play voice right now. I'm doing my best play-by-play voice right now. Um, uh, Quick's got Juan, a report on the 49ers yeah. interior offensive line. You know, this is where Chris and I kind of disagree because Fred Williams, all, all amazing left tackle, all-star left tackle. There's some well, discrepancy between what the interior offensive line brings for the 49ers. Is it average? Is it good? Is it below average? Is it not good? There's some discrepancy there. I think it's fine, but that's where the Steelers are going to have a lot more success going away from Trent Williams, on going to E.J. Watt's side, going to Cam Hayward's side. I think Cam Hayward could have a big day on Sunday. Uh, co- combined starting experience of the interior offensive line of the 49ers is one year. So there's that. I mean, yes, Trent Williams is great on the left uh, at left tackle. Uh, Colton McKivitz is unproven at right tackle, and then the interior of the line, uh, the two guards in the center, uh, combined one year starting experience. So again, not saying that they're bad, but there's just some questions there, you know. Mm-hmm. And try to use that to your advantage. That's that's what I would say uh, about about the Niners, especially the interior mm-hmm. of the line. DeMond believes he seriously believes uh, Calvin Austin will run one back in this game. Calvin Austin will run punts back. And if he finds a hole, you never know. I mean, with punt returns, you can't return. You can't really predict them. But I think there's a chance that Calvin Austin <laughs> could break at least one this season. Yes, no. I, I think Kenny getting freedom at the line of scrimmage is going to be huge for him this year. And 
you know, we'll obviously how much that um, is going to develop down the line. I think it's going to be a great game as well. Jerry comments, I think it's going to be a great game. I also think it's going to be a great game. I think it's a close game. Minaga Halo Mike asks, who wins the opener tonight? I'll take the Chiefs, even if Travis Kelsey does not play. Okay, are you taking the Chiefs minus six and a half? Yeah, I'll take the points. I'm cool with that. Okay, I just because that, that that like if when we by the way when we make our predictions the on the show we are going to have to do it by the line we like that's just that's yes. just going to be the rule here we have to do it by the line I am also taking the Chiefs minus six and a half by the way yes I would like the Chiefs with the points tonight um, yeah. Randy we appreciate you he says Corey Chris you guys are continually hitting out of the park awesome you guys are awesome you guys and gals are awesome for commenting for joining for subscribing for sharing for liking all of that you all are making this show what it is. And we're having a blast doing it Monday through Friday, 3 to 3.30 Eastern, just before the Ramon Foster show here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Chris, before we get out of here on a Thursday, do you have any final thought? J-Dub, thanks for the love, man. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, I mean – NFL's back, man. Like I'm, 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 I'm so excited to, to watch the game tonight, um, to, to really get a glimpse of, uh, I, I'm, I am picking the chiefs to win the super bowl again. That seems like the cop out answer, but <sighs> until there is a like absolute, like massive void on their roster, that is just a glaring weakness. I can't bet against Patrick Mahomes until he proves otherwise. I just can't. Pat Mahomes is, uh, a generational player. He's going to go down as one of the all-time great quarterbacks to play this game. We are in the middle of the Chiefs dynasty. They are a good enough team to join those very few teams that have won uh, three Super Bowls in four years. They absolutely can. Um, I'm just excited for football to be back. That's my take today. Uh, football's back tomorrow on the show. We're going to dive way more into the actual Steelers game on Sunday. We'll talk way more about the Steelers, about the 49ers, but definitely wanted to get you guys excited for the season today because the season does begin today. When we meet tomorrow, there will be an NFL game played already. And so <laughs> it's just, it's exciting. It's an exciting time of the year, man. How about you? I also Corey? should be, I also should be under better Wi-Fi audio video all of that quality tomorrow as well. So mm. uh, we will we will be back into normal broadcast land tomorrow and not MacGyver set up on the sideline over here. Um, we will <laughs> be talking real football tomorrow. Game preview coming up on Friday. But for now, on Thursday, he's Chris Halleck. I'm Corey Christen. DK and Ramon in 30 minutes. This has been the Southside Beat, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>